it's my pleasure actually to introduce Dylan, who most of you know, right? Most of you know Dylan. He normally comes to the evening services, but he's often here at helping with the children. So come up, Dylan. As you know, you're going to have a chance clapping Dylan. Yep. Woo! And also, Dylan's birthday today. Okay? Woo! Pretend I sung happy birthday. Happy birthday, Dylan. Uh, Was that beautiful? It. I can uh, hear it. It's beautiful. Because I'm not going to do that right now. So, as you know, you're going to have this opportunity to share anything from Romans that you may have um, picked up in the last uh, eight weeks. But I thought that I would ask Dylan about himself. And so, tell us a little bit about yourself today, besides it's your birthday. All right. My name's Dylan. Um, I'm from Wales, uh, back, back in the UK. Um, I've been in Australia for two and a half years now. Uh, I've been at St. Matt's for a little less time than that. Um, sort of joined just before the COVID stuff. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. I love making movies, watching movies. I uh, love storytelling. And how long have you been a believer in Jesus? Um, since October 2018. So like second year of university, sort of started exploring that stuff. And then through an alpha course and kind of reading the gospels, I was like, yeah, um, sort of fell in love with Christ that way. Which is a great segue into the fact that you've actually not been in your small group in this last eight weeks because you've been an alpha host. But you have been looking at Romans and doing it yourself and coming to sermons and messages and all the rest of it. So how has Romans impacted you and has, has it helped you on Alpha? Oh, absolutely. I think this book that was written thousands of years ago has an amazing way of just permeating through all, all different facets of your life, right? Even when you wouldn't think it's relevant. Um, for me, Romans, I think, is just as incredible, like joyous uh, sort of statement about how there's a love that's available to everyone wherever they're at. Um, so just this final week of Alpha, uh, in one of the videos there was this CEO of a charity, um, a water aid charity, but before he became a CEO and a Christian, he was, um, sort of, he was a, uh, like a club owner, top of his game, had everything he could want, penthouse New York apartments, dating all the models and the covers, but he still felt empty, still felt he had nothing, uh, and that really connected with the people on our table. Um, but I thought about another story from a video in week one, where I was a prisoner, um, you know, he was involved with knife crime, he was like in uh, maximum security prisons, and again, he reached this point where he hadn't, like, he just didn't like himself, he felt like he had nothing, and I just, there's this amazing encouragement about, um, you know, this prisoner who had nothing and hated himself, and then this guy who has everything, but still didn't like who he was, it's like these people on completely opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, both need exactly the same thing. Uh, and God comes to them exactly the same way. Uh, I just think it's amazing. Which is one of the most powerful things that comes across in Romans. Yes. We're all bad. Yes. We'll look oh, at that shortly. I think, was it um, bad news for good people, Nate? That was Romans yeah. 2. Um, and then, again, with um, sort of one of Nathan's sermons, Romans 5, um, there's one of the best discussions we had in Alpha was on forgiveness. Um, and just how impossible it can be sometimes to have that forgiveness. There was a member of our table who hadn't spoken to their dad for a very long time, I think for a couple of decades, and they kind of felt, you know, that's, um, are they deserving of it? I've sort of had my own closure in just cutting that off. Um, and it was this really fascinating discussion, and then we had Nathan's uh, sermon where uh, we saw the video of uh, Brant Jean, uh, whose uh, brother was murdered by this woman. He was at the trial. And, you know, instead of any sort of anger or resentment, 
Like, he just told her that he loves her. He told her that Jesus loves her. And not only that, but like, he went to give her this embrace, right? And she just melted into his arms. And I think that's us. Like, it's, we melt into God's arms. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just that level of forgiveness wherever we're at. And, you know, it's not a matter of whether we, uh, we deserve it because we don't. It's not a matter of whether the person you want to forgive deserves it. It's just it's what God would do for us. I think that's really special as well. It's uh, radical reconciliation. And I have one more. One more. Question, so. Okay. Right. Okay. Final one. <laughs> so the final one was Scott and Romans 6 this last week. Um, they really tied it all together for me. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to get baptized in April, uh, which is such a special experience. All my family came over from Wales. It was very special. Um, and just this feeling of leaving the water and just feeling light, just feeling new. Um, and I think Scott gave us this just beautifully evocative image of being handcuffed to Jesus, right? So whatever Jesus goes through, um, you know, we go through it with him. So he dies, um, goes beneath the water, he comes back up, he's resurrected with a new life. Uh, I think Scott had put it, put it as old mate is down at the bottom. The sinful self is down there um, and you can move forward. I think after the baptism, it was easy to feel that way. But as rubber hits the road, as time goes on, you know, life starts creeping in. You get distractions. It becomes harder. Um, uh, but you know, that was just a fantastic reminder. I just think it's so beautiful. This um, sort of resurrected with a new power to say no. Um, and yeah, I just think that's that's sort of what Romans means to me. This love that's available whenever we ask for it. It's not just for a resurrection. It's not just uh, you know through. Uh, on that uh, day where I was baptized, my friends came together from church and they gave me a rebirth day. Um, and then last night, they sang me happy birthday. And I don't think you need a birthday to start fresh. I think you can start fresh whenever you want. You know, you just ask. So. so I really don't need to talk now because he says about 20 things that I was going to say. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you, know, you know why? That's because Romans is so consistent. And God is so consistent. He has the same message for us. So Dylan is actually going to read the reading for us, and I'm going to pray for you before you do. Father, I thank you for Dylan. I thank you for his rebirth day and for his birthday. And I pray, Lord, that he would know your love spread abroad in his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that when life does come in, you would give him the strength and the resistance to say no and keep the hope that he has in the resurrected Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, the reading today, I've always wanted to do this. The reading today is from Romans 5 uh, to 11. I'll give you a moment to find it in your church Bibles. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character um, produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the night time, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will, be, will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. 
But God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were were enemies we are reconciled to God by death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, uh, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So just a um, sorry to those of you that are watching on YouTube because there are no visuals today. So sorry about that. Um, but hopefully what I say is clear anyway. And no words either, so I hope you know all the songs. So it's good to be here today. As Suzanne said, we're going to be giving you an opportunity to share yourselves um, in this next little while. And maybe Dylan has sparked your memory or some of the things that we've uh, said so far have sparked your memory. It's something new for you. Now, I usually take notes. These are the notes that I take during talks and sermons. So that's three Romans sermons. Lots of colours and highlighters, but sometimes when I go back, I think, oh, why is that orange? I have no idea. Why did I highlight that in green? I really don't know. Why did I use those funny square papers? And so what I did this week was I actually listened, went back and listened to all of the Roman sermons. Now, I listened to them on double speed because, you know, I didn't have a lot of time and I can tell you that no one here sounds like a chipmunk on double speed. They do sound fast. And it was a great thing to do because as I reflected on gospel joy, I need to be reminded just what it is that we have to be joyful about. So now we're going to have a quick whiz through the last eight weeks and I'm going to take you through each message and try and flick the flame of what it is that we've come to, to come to today and say we need to know about gospel joy. So we started in the first week with Bruce reminding us from chapter one that the gospel was good news and that we had to be sure that it was good news. Now my biggest reflection on this passage was that I remembered before I became a Christian that the gospel to me didn't always sound like good news. I thought, hmm. And sometimes when I hear about Christianity in the media, it doesn't sound like good news. It sounds like often a bit of a downer. And I thought to myself, it's such good news for me. It was good news to me back then. It is good news today. It will always be good news. Do I really think it's good news? And yes, yes, I do think it's good news. So he reminded us that we have to be absolutely certain and sure that that's good news, that we have something good to share and we don't have to apologise for it. Past, present and future. And then in week two, we see that everybody does actually need this good news. We saw that the world's a pretty messed up place. But the fact is that though we're all in the same boat, some people actually think that we're good through and through and mostly getting better. And then if we just wait, the world will be a better place if we just do this, that and the other. But they're actually, they're just not. We're not and they're not. Without the hope of Jesus, Romans tells us, it's probably truer that things are bad and getting badder. And sometimes that can be how, it's, how it actually feels. And Nathan brought it home the next week. The news is only good if you do face the bad. Face the bad not just in the other, but in ourselves. Because it's not so hard to face the bad in the other, it's a lot harder to see the bad in ourselves. 
I'd say that's where we need to start. Our individual sins, our moral failings, the things that we do wrong, those are things that are just symptoms of a much deeper problem of that basic sin that we have, that we fail to glorify God as God, that we fail to put him in his place and give thanks to him. And all our sins flow out of that. I can manage my sins and moral failings, and quite honestly, I don't think I look too bad. I think that you would be hard-pressed to find any really serious, obvious sin or moral failing. But here, in my heart, no. Just bad, through and through, without Jesus. But he didn't leave us there, Nathan, in our sin. He felt that he had to preview that next week, but now, despite that we're all in that state, but now, Scott took us on and picked up again the theme of our constantly missing the mark, constantly trying to manage our sin, our moral failing, and never quite getting there. We keep racking up the debt. No matter what we do, we rack up the debt. And we move into deficit. Oh, we owe this and we owe that. We've done this, we've done that. We fail to give God the honour that's due his name, and it's all sounds so awful and hopeless but now but now Jesus Jesus turns it all around we take he ta- we take our deficit our sinfulness to him and he wipes it and more than that he puts it into credit I didn't have enough room to put that thing where he takes our deficit and there's nothing but then into that picture goes plus 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 He gives us credit. He puts us in credit. Everything is credited to us as righteousness in Jesus when we come to him with all our deficit. And all we have to do is ask, receive it by faith. What a relief. I'm not even good at archery, so I can give that up completely. I can just come to him in faith. But Bruce asked us next week, what sort of faith do we need to have? Do you have saving faith? That was the first question. It's one thing to believe in God. Even the devil believes in God. It's another thing to act on that belief. And Bruce shared the story of Blondin that some of you might remember. The man who used to walk across Niagara Falls and he'd take a, uh, on a tightrope and sometimes he took a wheelbarrow. And, would you, and Bruce said, would you have got in the wheelbarrow? You, you trusted he could get across there but would you have hopped in and gone with him? Well, you know, I wouldn't. And wheelbarrows can be pretty uncomfortable places. So are we actually being asked to get in a wheelbarrow? It sounds pretty awful. But Nathan next week talked us through a very relational and beautiful passage. Saving faith is sometimes challenging and comfortable to live out. But in God, in God, we can experience the peace and hope that we need to face anything that comes our way. It's a peace and hope that is firmly centred in love, in the love that's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit when we're reconciled to God. That reconciliation that we have in Jesus, it comes with a love that tells us no discovery can disillusion God about me. 
It doesn't matter what I do or what he discovers or what he shows me, nothing will ever disillusion him about me. And you might remember, and um, Dylan referred to it, the clip of Amber Geiger being hugged and forgiven by the brother of the man whom she'd been convicted of murdering. When he said, I want what's best for you. In Christ, I want what's best for you. That was the reconciliation that he bought. That's the reconciliation that we have. God wants what's best for us. And he knows what that is. And sometimes we don't. And that is something to rejoice in. And we're going to return to that rejoicing in a minute. And then Bruce brought us to actually what I found to be the most challenging passage in this series. I don't know about you. I guess the thing that stood out for me most was the phrase he quoted when he said that we're all in the league of the guilty. Sin came to humanity through one person and it affects all of us. That league is, every single person sitting here is in that league. But grace came through one person. I've listened to that message again and that's the message I'm going back to, to really, really grapple with some of the things that I heard that day and that need more time than I've had to do it so far. And though I've heard it twice already, I am going to go back to that message. But the thing is that we're all in that league, but grace has come through one man and we are able in Jesus to experience that grace. And then we landed with Scott the next week and that image of being handcuffed to Jesus. Wheelbarrows and handcuffs. So far, you know, dead to sin, but alive to God. And he reminded us very, very powerfully that through the, though the wages of sin is death, in Jesus, through grace, we have the precious gift of life. And along with that, we have the power in the Holy Spirit to resist sin, to resist that call that Dylan talked about, to resist that call back to a life that says there's something better than God, there's something better, go with what you feel. No, we have that ability to resist. And we finished with this thought that Scott repeated a number of times and that we sang a number of times, and that is that grace reigns. Grace reigns through the good news of Jesus Christ. No one has done good, not one of us, but grace reigns. So that's our helicopter view through that sermon series. And I hope it's uh, brought back to your memory so that you're able to say, yes, I need, uh, this is what's been good for me, or this is a question that I have when uh, we have the open mic later. So we're powerless in our sin, but out of his great love for us, Christ has died. And we're going to look at this verse. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul goes on to say we also rejoice. So Suzanne said at the beginning, to use the word boast. When you first hear the word boast, what comes to your mind? Because in the NIV, the translation is actually boast in the Lord, not rejoice in the Lord. And I thought, oh, boast in the Lord, that, 
Boasting's bad. You're not supposed to boast. Oh, can't, we can't be having that. But the word that they use actually can be translated either boast or rejoice. So I thought, well, we'll go and use the ESV because that says rejoice. And today it's about gospel joy. So that kind of takes us where we want to go, really, doesn't it? And then I thought to myself, as I thought about it, that really it's boasting in ourselves that's excluded. In Romans 3 it says, boasting is excluded, anything to do with yourself, but boasting in Jesus, that's okay. And it's rejoicing in ourselves that's excluded, not rejoicing in Jesus that's excluded. And we need to think of the idea of boast. We need to be able to think of being a champion for, for what Jesus has done for us. Both boast and rejoice. So as we go through that, keep both those things in your mind. We're going to look a little bit more closely at joy. So I've been reading a book called The Gravity of Joy. It's an autobiographical book that describes the author's experience as she began to lead groups in a women's prison. The only things that they're allowed to take into the room are a Bible and some paper, two pens and a sign-up sheet. The room's white, it's sterile, it's controlled and unnerving and there are 30 blue plastic chairs and two old brown tables. All the women wear the same bright scrubs. They're not allowed to touch each other and no one's allowed to touch them. No hugs, no kisses, nothing. They can't even take a piece of paper back to their rooms because that's a gift. And there's no gifts in prison. They're known by their number, not by their names. And most of them are serving sentences related to their addictions and the crimes that they are mostly guilty of. And the author says, in prison, you are your sins. But despite the circumstances, the dehumanising and oppressive circumstances, the isolation and the rejection, the women love to sing. They sing with joy and they sing with abandon because even there they know they aren't out of the reach of God. With all their very real guilt, he is their only hope. One night they were up out of their seats and they were singing an old song called This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. You know that, remember that old song? Some of you all remember that. They became so loud and joyous that even one of the guards started to sing and clap and smile and the joy increased in the room. And the earther goes on to say this. Our music became an act of resistance to all of the forms of death that had happened and were happening in our lives. Our singing turned into embodied opposition to our fear, anger and profound loss. Our joyful noise opposed the imprisonments of bodies, minds and hearts. Suddenly, we were rejoicing in what ought to be. And what Romans presents us with is what ought to be that isn't. In our sin, we're very much like the women in the prison, guilty as charged. Yes, they're guilty of their crimes, but that's not their focus when they rise up and sing. 
Their focus isn't the crimes that they've committed. Their focus is that they know what it is to be handcuffed and now they're handcuffed to Jesus. Their focus when they sing is their ultimate need of God to save and that no one else can save them and to deliver and rescue them from, from their very self. It's gospel boasting. And by asking God's light to shine in the darkest of places, they become carriers of that grace to each other and even to a prison guard. It's rejoicing, gospel boasting. It's good news joy for those that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done by his death and resurrection. All bad, but then this is what Jesus did. In the midst of fear and anger and profound loss, our joy in his victory over sin is a powerful weapon of resistance. How do you resist? You acknowledge who he is with joy, that he's stronger. We don't have to sin. We're able to resist. We are free. When we do, what does he promise us? That free forgiveness still flows. Just come. I'm doing my best. I'm resisting with joy, but, I, but here I am. No problem. You're forgiven. We are able to resist. We're free with a message of hope. A message of hope for the present, for ourselves, and hope for the future. But also a message of hope for other people. Also a message of hope for people who are lost in exactly the same sort of way that we're lost trapped in their own sinfulness and they don't know it. And only by the power of the Spirit can that light shine through us into the hearts of others. So that that song which sounds so childish, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Are you? Are you going to let it shine because this is such good news? Because you're so full of joy of what it is that Jesus has done for you. And it's all through grace. All through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ reigns. That's why they rejoice. That's why I rejoice. It's not a superficial rejoicing or superficial praise. I'm acknowledging the victorious love of God in Christ because he is my strength and I know that that's true for so many of you here. And I hope and pray that that increases as time passes and that as you reflect on the good news the truly good news that comes to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that you are able to shine as a light to others and bring them the same freedom that you experienced.